0: Tonight, we are going to be debating the motion, This House Believes That Gen Z Will Change the World, which is a kind of deliberately facetious and fairly provocative title, Um, but the aim of it is to kind of encourage a bit of interesting and kind of balanced and fair debate and hear some um, different sides of the argument that have maybe not been given the same kind of mainstream cultural narrative. Um, So thank you so much to our sponsors, Soho House, um, for your investment in the evening. Thank you so much to the speakers. I just wanted to briefly introduce um, Digifairy because a question we get asked quite a lot of the time is, uh, "What the fuck is a digital fairy?" Um, we are a creative studio and consultancy, and we provide a range of kind of creative and consultancy services for brands across the um, fashion, lifestyle, um, and kind of youth um, market audience. Um, and we've act the, uh, the reason that we wanted to do tonight was because we've just released um, a trend report that looks into um, Gen Z and kind of does a bit of myth busting. Um, So that kind of um, has facilitated the discussion this evening. Um, I am Livy Gallup, and I run something called Fairy Futures, um, which is our strategy and um, trend reporting division of the business. Um, So before I start, um, the idea for DigiDebates started because we had been to a fair few panel discussions where I think um, they've been great. The quality of the speakers have been fantastic and the topics have been fantastic. But with a panel format, you don't necessarily always get people who disagree with each other. And that can end up being a kind of, um, a bit of an echo chamber and end up leading to people just kind of echoing other people. And you leave the the evening feeling, "Mm, I've maybe not not seen such a balanced or kind of nuanced debate as I could have seen. So what we're doing here is really um, to kind of, do a, uh, a debate as a, like a rhetorical construct that enables us to really um, dig deep into an issue. It allows us to kind of play the devil's advocate and it, it also allows us to get under the skin of, of what the issue is. Um, so it goes without saying that um, because this debate is a rhetorical construct, um, people here are have the speakers have been invited to speak either for or against. Um, so what they're about to say doesn't necessarily represent the views of themselves or their organisation. It's just for the good of the debate. The way that tonight is going to work is we will start the debate by having speakers from each side uh, read a kind of prepared speech that they've brought along with them tonight. We're then going to open it up so that each side can. Um, criticise and um, kind of unpack what the others have said. Um, And following that discussion, we will then open it up to questions from you guys where you get the chance to quiz and grill these guys. Um, And then we'll end it with a vote to see whether the motion will kind of carry or whether the motion will fall. So before we get into it, I actually just want to ask you to um, raise your hand first if you believe that... If you believe that the motion carries and that this um, and that Gen Z will change the world, you just stick your hands up. Okay, interesting. Okay, someone at the back who really firmly believes that Gen Z are going to change the world, fab. Um, Okay, cool. And hands down. And then can you put your hand up if you are a Gen Z cynic and you think that they will not change the world? Ooh, come on, be proud. Be proud. Stick them up. Okay. Okay, Fab, I'd like to introduce the panel tonight. Um, so, speaking for the motion on my right-hand side, we have first uh, Jack from Depop. Um, if you don't know Depop, it's a Gen Z uh, platform that's kind of a cross between an eBay and an Instagram, and it operates on the same kind of mechanics, and it's, it's really, really popular with Gen Z, really popular. Um, and then our second speaker for the motion is Chloe Convey, who is a futurist and author of the kind of, like, seminal work on Gen Z, which is uh, Their Voices, Their Lives. And speaking against the motion, um, our devil's advocates are, firstly, Frankie from Foundation FM. Um, She founded Foundation FM. It's a female-led radio station, and it has a lot of kind of um, millennial and Gen Z listeners. And Frankie herself is a millennial, so we'll be hearing the kind of counterpoint from her. (laughs) And then secondly, we have Zoe, who's a Gen Z, um, who is a freelance filmmaker, journalist, girl gaze ambassador, and contributor to our Gen Z report. The list goes on. So, yeah, really excited to have them speaking tonight. The media has said a lot of kind of whack things about Gen Z, and I kind of pulled out some of them on a bit of a Wikipedia hole last night. So before we get in, um, I just want to read some things. So um, Time magazine says Gen Z demand change. The Independent is screaming that they are the new face of financial power, Um, while Gucci's Time for Change says that the future is fluid. Um, ID Magazine accused Gen Z of killing the musical genre, citing Billie Eilish. So I don't know if there's any like music execs in there, but you might want to store that up for a question later. Um, whilst CNBC, reputable media source, says that they are the loneliest generation, but my favourite report was um, Gen Z will have a seismic impact on the cheese market in years to come. <laughs> Uh, so that's some food for thought. Okay, perfect. So let's get going. Jack, do you want to take the floor and give us your first argument?
1: Um, it doesn't take a lot to see that the potential of Gen Z is huge. They're the first generation to grow up with the internet and hyperconnectivity at their fingerprints, which means they're also the first generation to grow up with sustainability, inclusivity, and lots of social problems at their fingertips too. Uh there's a load of angles uh, I could take to show you how Gen Z are already shaping the world as we see it, uh, ranging from environmentalism, challenging social norms, and inclusivity. But I actually just want to highlight a few examples in terms of their consumption habits, um, how they're changing those to meet the needs of the planet. Uh, first of all, the number of Gen Z's practicing veganism and vegetarianism is much higher than millennials and any previous generation. Uh, They consume over 60% more tofu um, and plant-based foods, but the average person that's a Gen Z is five times more likely to be using non-dairy alternatives as well. So these choices are basically made because they have access to social media. They can see that this is really damaging to the planet and animal welfare. Uh, On a similar note, uh, if you take a look at fashion, uh, it's the second most polluting industry in the world after oil. Uh, Pinterest have recently reported that there's a 50% increase in sustainable fashion brands uh, year on year and that's driven by millennials and Gen Z Uh, so they've been equipped with this knowledge that their choices on the high street aren't good for the planet uh, and that's likely to affect the world they live on so 79% of Gen Zers have said they consider the environment before they choose to purchase something Uh, it means that they're driving a huge amount of growth in second hand fashion which is the kind of industry slash area that I work in Uh, and the market for that is currently over 350 billion so it's huge Uh, some of the sectors such as luxury fashion it's actually projected that secondhand is actually going to overtake firsthand fashion by 2022 so they're really driving these markets Um, so ultimately you can't really deny that they're not going to change the world because they already are like we have natural resources are depleting the population of the world is expected to get to 9 billion by 2050. Like Gen Z have access to all that. They can see the damage it's causing. So they're making these choices in their lifestyles, which actually, like, ultimately, are probably going to become less choices and more, actually, necessities. Uh, so it's like really great that they've already taken the first step and started to do that.
0: Thank you very much. Um, Chloe, would you like to follow up with your secondary argument?
1: Thank you, Jack.
2: Um, the first thing I'd like to say is that uh, Generation Z are economic geniuses. Um, social media, Instagram, YouTube, blogging, TikTok, is often prom- uh, sort of, uh, promoted by the media as these sort of vain constructs um, that kind of uh, cultivate self-loathing. But in fact Generation Z is a generation that feel quite excluded by traditional jobs in the economy so, they've created this alternative, very lucrative economy that's inhabited and driven t- entirely by them, excludes older people, and it's a place where they can make money. So, it's this very, very successful alternative economy that's been d- kind of sort of semi created and driven by Generation Z. So, it's a, it's, it's a real economic evolution and survival, and it's admirable. They're the first generation that creates the media that they consume. So with previous generations, there was media gatekeepers, there was the Simon Cows, there was the Anna Wintors, and they told you what to buy, what to wear, what to look like, what to love, and they sold that thing and they created all the fashions. Generations that have fired them and they've created their own media, you know, their Instagram, their YouTube, and they've made the stars, they make the fashions, they make the trends. Um, and that's made them incredibly powerful and it's making them able to completely recreate their, own, their world in their own image. Consider the female body and female beauty as an example. For decades now, because the media has been created by these kind of rich, distant people who told everyone what to buy and what to love and what to look like, we've had this incredibly monolithic standard of beauty, which has been tall, white and thin. But now, because Generation Z are kind of creating Instagram, and Instagram's a driver of of the media, we're now having this incredibly diverse um, sort of representation of beauty. We're seeing women of colour, plus size women, trans women, women with tattoos, alternative beauty. Um, You know, this smorgasbord of representation. And there's immediate brilliant benefits. This is the first five years where anorexia has plummeted in 12 to 16 year old girls because there isn't this kind of deification of this thin. you know, tall, thin girl, that girls suddenly don't want to look like that because they can see this normality and this diversity and representation, and that's really powerful. And previous generations, decades of generations, when women have said, does my bum look big in this? It's been sort of motivated by self-loathing, but generations, Ed, want to be told, yes, your bum looks massive. Yes! Um, The LGBTQI experience, it's not perfect yet, but this is the first generation of teenagers that if you come out you're not going to be isolated or alienated or alone you can be celebrated and obviously the arc of change takes a long time but it's incredible the improvement that LGBTQI kids are going to have from even five or ten years ago—it's extraordinary—and you see this improvement, um, and that's really, really fueled by Generation Z. And I think that's going to be carried forward by them, so that you know LGBTQI kids aren't bullied and they aren't alone and isolated. And we're already we're seeing a decline in depression and self-harming and suicide amongst that group who were previously very vulnerable and had these, you know, very high rates of those things. And finally, Generation Z is a generation. Will not suffer in silence. Me too, Black Lives Matter, trans rights, employment rights. These things um, are, you know, they're, they're incredibly important, they're propagated. Uh, they're discussed on social media, and if you are someone who bullies or exploits or is a perv, you can't get away with it anymore. Um, Because those rights are sort of discussed and centralised by Generation Z and you can't be silenced because going back to that thing that they have a voice, they control their own media and they can uh, kind of expose those issues online. So I think all that, I mean there's many more things but this is Generation Z who are kinder, who are fairer and there's going to be more of a kind of a generational equality and there's going to be a better world not just for the very, very kind of, you know, elite few but for everybody and that's a really good thing.
3: Cool.
0: Thank you so much. Um, Can we have a round of applause? Thank you for the four sides. Thanks so much, guys. And now it's your turn. Frankie, take it away. Why are Gen Z not going to change the world?
4: Uh, Cause I'm not a millennial like me. No, um, I've written
0: something. <laughs> don't worry. Um,
4: I feel like these days, and it's not new, that we are obsessed with youth. I think we even fetishize it. I was really nervous to say that word. Um, if we look at uh, YouTubers, Instagram, they're all really, really, really young. And it kind of goes back to that like X Factor thing. Um, if you look at radio stations as well, they most of them aim themselves at 15 to 18 year olds. Um, and it's that X Factor thing of that. Uh, everyone on that show is really young, the younger the better, you're going to get more out of them and if you're over 25, which is not old um, you are kind of lumped in this group um, called the 25ers and overs and then Sharon and Louie are like, no one wants you and everyone gets in a fight about it and you're kind of told that you aren't marketable marketable, and you're, you're not valid and you don't have a voice and you have no value, which I think is really sad and so messages are flooded to younger people and Gen Z about what they should like and they should by and that is controlled by older people that aren't Generation Z so I feel like online there are so many messages of what to like how to look what to be how to be different who's gonna follow you and how many followers they should have I actually work with a lot of uh, Gen Zers and I think the pressures are really really real Um, every generation has had pressure but I don't think they've had it on a platform like this before not only do you have to get like good grades you also have to like make a sign, and then you have to get into university and then you have to get good grades there and then you have to get a job but it's not gonna pay you that well. And I really wouldn't feel like saving the world after that. I'd be like, no, we're okay, we're, we're tired. Um, so I think we kinda need to put the power back into other voices. Um, I think we need a bit of a revolution, come with me, and a revelation that past a certain, past a certain age, you still are really valuable and you are very much valid so i think we should have a blog or, or a podcast from older women about you know the menopause like where are those blogs because i'm a woman that's going to happen to me i know zero facts about that um and if that was there that's going to change my world and i think that's really important i want a youtuber that was part of winrush like i want to know more information about that i want a radio show from someone who's in grassroots radio like uh alexandria Ocasio-Cortez I think I got that right and um I think that will change so many people's worlds if we hear from voices that aren't just from the youth um I feel like if we forget the past we are doomed to repeat it and if Gen Z can't save us um why don't we you know recruit the older generations and give them voices and listen to them I feel like Gen Z are also really down with the trends and what's hot and what's not, and I feel like activism's really cool right now, but what happens when that stops being cool? Um, a couple of examples of this is like, if you look like, like at the trend of Michael Dapper, where is he now? you know the NSG options dance like who's doing that now and one thing about activism is I'll say is like Jamie Windus has is an amazing um non-binary activist and is the editor of fruitcake magazine and they have 28,000 followers and their petition's been running for months now they have not got 28,000 signatures they just have all these posts that I like but are people taking action around that um, I think we can, I think everyone can make, raise awareness and we can all post online, but how proactive are we being in that? Um, I don't want anyone anyway to feel the pressure of saving the world just fo- falls on one generation and on their shoulders. I think it's something that we can each empower another person to do. So they don't
3: have to save the world. We can all do it,
4: but they won't anyway. So
3: <laughs> Cool. Thanks. And Zoe? Yeah. Hi. So I think that with every generation, there's good and there is bad. Um, We were in a time where we're making changes and making progress, but there's still age-old problems. Racism still exists. Xenophobia still exists, if not more rife than ever. Social media activism, it's so easy to just post about an issue that you're passionate about. And... It's almost like when you post something or when you change your profile picture with a filter that's supporting something, you're almost perceived online as an activist and that you're making a difference and you're progressive. But if you're not donating to campaigns, if you're not out on the streets actually doing grass, works, grass roots, <laughs> that's the one, um, activism, you're not really creating that much of a change. And although like social media campaigns spread awareness, Do they really create government change? Do they really impact our politicians? And also, I think that the media have a good way of shaping Gen Z to focus on all these young activists that are working towards climate change, but not questioning government as to, well, why are you not doing anything about it? There's all these great young people that are spreading awareness and fighting the fight, but we're not seeing any change from the place that we need it in. I also think it's interesting when you look at online activism. Um, as a person of colour, uh, when you say something about, you know, you were going down the street and someone said something about you, and you post about that online, I've been called an activist. And I'm like, well, you know what? I never chose to be an activist. I'm just fighting for, for my identity. I'm just existing online, talking about my life. But that's seen as activism. Although I know that if... Oh, a white friend of mine was talking about how they walked down the street. Nothing would have happened. They wouldn't have been an activist. They would have just been sharing their life online. And there's a good quote from um, Rowan Blanchard, who is an American um, activist and actress, um, who's Gen Z. And she wrote, Activism become, has become a trend. My identity isn't a trend, however. Who gets to decide who becomes an activist and who just has to be one because they're forced to fight for themselves as a minority? I think Gen Z have been hyped up in the media as radical change makers, and the whole climate change um, argument is really progressive and welcoming. However, I don't believe it's creating real change in politics. Instagram is a great way of connection. I know personally that I have connected online and found a community online, but I also know that I have been given a new way to be criticised. This rise of social media is great. It's connecting people, but it's also creating great polarisation in our our media. I know that I follow people with the same views as me, and whenever I'm scrolling through Twitter or Instagram, I'm seeing great women of colour who are doing amazing things and I often become a bit complacent in the way I exist in the world and and how much I give out into the world and I think, yeah, everything's fine. Our generation is great. We've all got the same views. We've all got the same values. But if I followed young Tories or if I followed women that I don't connect with or men that I don't agree with or right wing politicians, I would be a lot more aware of the problems in the world, if that makes sense. I think um, as well with social media, it's great to see diversity. It's great to see more women of color, but that's almost becoming a fetishization um, of I know of ourselves because yeah, women want to look like women of color. This is why black fishing has become such a big problem. Is because women of color, the way we look, is now seen as desirable. So now everyone wants to jump on that, despite the years. And centuries of being a person of color and the way you look being criticised and being persecuted for it. I also think um, with mental health, I find a lot of strength through, through of my, for my mental health through social media and seeing, um, brilliant people um, write cre- really create inspirational artwork, um, and start a really good conversation and destigmatise the problems. But we still have a fear of certain types of mental health issues and we don't talk about them it's it's i don't dare i say it but it's almost become kind of trendy to to be depressed or be anxious online because in a way you you, you're almost attention seeking and i'm not criticizing the people that have done it but I do think that there's people with bipolar disorder and there's people with schizophrenia and they don't, they're don't, they not welcomed online in the same way people with depression and anxiety are. And I'm not pitting um, mental health issues against each other. I'm just saying that if we've really destigmatized the problem, then we wouldn't have this discourse. Um, I also think that from my own mental health, I found a lot of triggering content online and it's very hard to talk about mental health in a way that's you know, cu- that's spreading a message and starting a conversation, but also protecting people that suffer from mental health issues and can see triggering posts online. We don't have the filtering, like, that, that you know, I still see content online that I find triggering, so I, I know that the filters are not working as well as they should. Um, but, yeah, that's all my thoughts. Cool. Thank you so much. And a
0: round of applause for this. <laughs> um, cool. Was there anything immediately that you guys wanted to pick up on out of those... Yeah, a couple of things. Yeah,
2: Um, cool. I always say that history doesn't repeat itself because it can't, but it rhymes. And I would agree. And I've 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 been all over Europe, and I've sort of interviewed about ten thousand of generations there, both online and offline, and sort of being across Europe. And this has been going on for about six years. And I would completely agree. In the, the the first sort of flush of that, in about sort of 2013 and 2014, I think that there was that quite millennial-tinged um, desire towards this kind of clicktivism, hashtagging, signing a petition and thinking that was enough to institute change. And then crisis hit. We had Brexit. We had Trump. We had g- kind of growing uh, sort of polarisation, political pol- polarisation, rising extremism. We suddenly had, uh, you know, the the critical crisis that is uh, you know, the, the sort of climate. We had all these social issues, we have falling apart um, sort of social networks. We've got grow- you know, all, all the kind of social problems we have. And I think in the same... and So w- when I first started looking at Generation Z, I think there was this quite 1950s, quite conservative, attached to the home, attached to the phone, and obviously the, the differentiation was technology. I think about 2000, when 2016 hit, people, and particularly young people, realised that it wasn't enough to sign petition. They had to get boots on the ground. And what you're actually seeing now is uh, a growing trend across Europe for not um, complaining online, or tweeting about things, or Instagramming about things, but actually going to marches and demonstrations. And we saw, across Europe, these school walkouts over climate change. And these weren't tiny, these were really big. And what you're seeing is a conversation um, in lots of countries, including this country, where people are actually, and young people are actually saying that they realise that it's not enough to be active online, they have to be physically active. And I think the biggest rising conversation is what can I actively do? What can I actually get involved in to institute this change? And I absolutely guarantee over the next three years, you're going to see that rising and rising. And I think in the same way, that you saw the levy break, and, like if, if you look at the '70s with the Vietnam War and the kind of Watergate and, and all the things that were happening over here, um, you saw it in the '90s with the poll tax rights, if you look through history, that young people, they get pushed I think that, that there is a, a, a point where they suddenly say, "Actually, it isn't enough to just be cross about this." And you see this kind of explosion of activism, and I think we've reached that point with young people, and it's quite exciting. It's, it's scary and exciting, and I think that's, that's happening and kicking off.
0: Well, thanks. Did you guys have anything you
4: wanted to question these guys on? I mean, I think that's really exciting. I completely agree. I just one thing I wanted to pick up on it kind of ties in when we were talking about you know like they are demanding something different and they're out there being active. And when you were saying that like um, with fashion, we're looking more at sustainability. But I think Gen Z aren't in the like the main fashion houses. And if there are like fashion houses choosing to be sustainable. That's not a Gen Z's choice. That's the fashion house who probably is a bit older. That's their responsibility to change it. So, yeah, they might be demanding some things, but the power still lies in another area, another place, another generation. So I feel like you can't take that and make it like a Gen
1: Z claim. I kind of have something to say Ooh. in response Ooh. to that. Ooh, I you might. Uh, there you go. Um, Come on, fight, yeah, fight, I, like, fight. I actually really agree with you is that when you go to the high street and you see hang on these, hang on you your it's cool <laughs> these places are like pretty much driven by like senior figures but actually you're seeing a lot less young people shopping on the high street yeah. um, it's like Topshop have just posted pretty terrible figures ASOS I mean haven't been doing that well like and that's because like Gen Z are becoming this really powerful spending force mm. so they're actually looking at alternatives and like, while sustainability might be, like, a very, like, hairy-fairy thing on, like, H- well, yeah. H&M are actually very good, but on yeah. top shops like, radar, it's, like... I, th- I, I,
2: I think it will become increasingly demanded, and yeah. I think that res- respond to that demand is... is I mean, you, and it is really interesting that when you start... <coughs> excuse me. When you start to see... And, the, you know, I've talked to loads of brands, that one of the things I think Gen Z, and it's an amazing thing, is that they increasingly look to brands for moral compasses, and they look to brands to kind of represent their kind of um, their ethical makeup. So you're actually seeing brands making ethical choices because they know that it's going to kind of um, create kind of an alignment, and and, and and they have to sometimes make a choice that they're going to make an ethical choice or fall on the side of a kind of an ethical line. So, for example, you saw with Nike with the Colin Kaepernick thing, and they realised that they're going to alienate a certain kind of you know a white Republican male but they realised that, that sacrificing that particular demographic was worth it for, for, for the statement it made to an audience and, and a consumer that they wanted more. And it made them loads of money. So they're not stupid. They, they know that these choices... But, but one of the really interesting powers about Generation Z, because whether or not it's online ethics like hashtag veganism or, or something they really believe in is is almost irrelevant but what it is actually doing is because people want brands to represent their ethical makeup and, and what they stand for that increasingly whether it's real or not it's actually driving brands to behave better and and and, and behave more ethically and believe more ethically ethically so it's almost sometimes when when you talk to brands, it's almost like when they say, "Well, do generations that really really believe in this?" And it's like, "Well, well, probably the majority of them do." But even if it's performative ethics that you do it because it looks good on Instagram, if it actually drives conglomerate huge brands to be better and do better, then that it, it, that's a really really good thing. And you're you know, and you're you're sort of seeing this that that because of, you know, the pressure. Of um, and the, the weight, of the pressure, and because of the the, the influence of kind of the, their presence on 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 Instagram, and and on uh, social media, that brands are incredibly responsive to these ethical demands of these new consumers, and and I, I think that you're going to just see more and more better um, consumer behaviour, and also you're actually seeing brands that are striving to represent those consumers as well. So the the biggest mistakes that brands make is when they are trying to appeal to a generation they don't understand. So again, so we're sort of seeing inclusivity, ethics and kind of ethical behaviour um, that's uh, obviously both performative and real but it's ultimately going to result in a much better world and that's really Gen Z driven. Sorry, that was a really long winded thing. Um,
0: yeah, I'd like to kind of throw my hat into the ring unless you've got something to... I'm do just going to say you know, one more thing. I'll really short. On
4: oh my God, I didn't realise I was going to be so talkative. Um, I was
0: going to say that looking at Topshop's
4: figures, I think the kind of like, I don't want to say demise, because they're still around, but there was a bit of a shift and change when uh, the, femi- uh, the f- yeah. Feminists Don't Wear Pink debacle happened, which is where they had a pop-up in Topshop, Philip Green Demand, and take it down, and there was a campaign, hashtag, uh, Feminists Wear Pink Not Green, and that massively impacted how people looked at Topshop. Uh, Scarlet who ran, runs that and with a few other friends including Honey and Grace, they are not Gen Z. Gina Martin, who's who pushed through the upskirting bill, she is not Gen Z. And you know, Monroe Bergdorf, who works with a lot of brands, is not Gen Z. And so I feel like millennials as well, if we're gonna talk about sustainability, activism, they're a massive part of it. Like, I know a lot of the brands that I work with and, you know, and the influencers i look to they're not gen Z, and i think it's important to have that because i don't think i would look at like a 17 year old and 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 relate in the same way i do as someone in their 20s just because that's who i am that's my age range and they've gone through similar experiences to me and they're talking to me i think it's important that every age we have that and it's also important for teenagers to have someone to look up to like i know that my 16 year old cousin um, who was like, yeah, Topshop, love it so much. I, I wear it at school all the time. The, you know, feminists wear pink, not green happened. Has she gone on Topshop since? No, and it's important to have those voices to look up to. And so I think millennials are very much relevant in this change.
0: Yeah, I think you're picking up on a kind of broader cultural problem around the, the like cottage industry of like generational analysis, which is that it's fundamentally very, very difficult to separate out the the boundaries between generations are very blurry. There's a kind of continuation argument like the Pew um, Center, which is this like massive, massive research agency in the US, um, published a things saying Gen Z actually look a lot like millennials when it comes to key social and political issues. They kind of vote broadly the same. A lot of the um, movements have been, yeah, as you're right, like founded and led by millennials and that what Gen Z is doing is the kind of continuation of a, a like, broader wave of of cultural social justice that's been, like, um, introduced by previous generations. Yeah.
4: I agree. (laughs) <laughs> thanks
0: um, I have something else I would like to challenge you guys on um, if that's all right um, I have problems I struggle with um, assigning uh, kind of spec- uh, specifics and characteristics to Gen Z um, that can broadly be said to be true of youth culture in general so like throughout time every youth co- like cohort through the kind of 20th century thinks they are more liberal than previous generations. They think they are more activists than previous generations. Every uh, kind of young person wants to change the world. Um, And whether or not those values like stick around, um, it kind of remains to be said, like it's, Kind of broadly true that people become more, um, at least like financially conservative, the older they get. Certainly in like Western capitalist societies. Um, so how, wh- what do you think about about that? The kind of um, the challenge that maybe a lot of the things people are saying about Gen Z are actually just um, broader youth cultural characteristics.
2: I'm going to let you I, I think it's a lazy argument, and the reason is is because uh, it, it, just because it's done before, it doesn't devalue it. And I think it's often used as a strategy to disempower um, sort of the movement forward of Generation Z. And you often sort of see it in quite kind of conservative right-wing presses kind of sneering snowflakes, you know, on their phones. And and the point is that that argument has been made by... uh, Older generations towards every generations, whether it's from the 50s onwards, and if they'd listened to them, then there never would have been any social progress. So I think that absolutely, it's not you. Could, nothing happens in a vacuum, uh, and it's very and it's almost impossible to do something that's totally new or individual or fresh. But having said that. I think that the, uh, the, the, the things that motivate it are new to this generation. And if they listen to the fact, well, this is unoriginal behaviour, then we never have any social progress. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a defunct, obsolete argument, really.
0: Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. No, I just exist to kind of uh, stir the pot, basically. So, do, um, you, do you agree?
1: Um, I also think, like, when you think about that whole thing of, like, as people get older, they become more right-wing because of they. Need the more money. money. Yeah, <laughs> more. That is obviously but a but but lazy generalization, but, but yeah. if you look at like young people are staying with their parents. You were saying earlier, like young people are staying with their parents for longer. They're choosing experiences over possessions. Mm. Like I think you might find that actually, whilst I'm sure inevitably as they have like children, even though they're having less, um, that kind of like right wingism will come through. That they're going to have a much longer time being able to be activists because they have, in an odd way, like this shelter of like their parents' home, or they have less real responsibility it kind of gives them more of a platform to actually be active and be vocal about what they care about and do things there i don't um, know if that kind of like interesting is interesting any thoughts?
3: thoughts i think it's interesting i don't know if you guys know um of the girl on twitter who she's a young tory she's very pretty oh, yeah yeah what's yeah, her, yeah. What's uh, her uh, face yeah i know yeah, yeah exactly it's, it's, it's someone who she's, she's so cool but she's also a tory like how diverse but it's like I, I don't. I mean, I don't want to put my. That's <laughs> actually things. the right. The
2: right wing in youth is actually massively growing. Yeah. The, 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 the extreme right there wing is there. Is yeah. there
3: is? I think there is. While there is great people fighting for change and, and fighting for equality, there is mm. a lot of, of young right wing people as well. Like as, as any generation, there's always going to be people with different opinions. I I don't know if necessarily the left wing is greater than mm. or, or better <laughs> I, than.
4: I think also with the growth of social media, you feel like you can put your opinion out there more, and mm-hmm. so you can be a bit more extreme and hide behind a screen. Like, trolling is a very aggressive form, and it and it comes with those, you know, on social media, and it is prevalent in younger people because they're online, they're on their phones, they're seeing, like, arguments, they're seeing videos, they're seeing, like, really heavy things, so your opinions are going to be quite extreme. And I feel like with what we've seen in the last couple of years, especially like um, on talk shows, on, you know, in call-ins, that when you, have an oppo- when you have an argument for the left, you have a very extreme left and you have a very extreme right. Like almost to the point that we, we kind of say, oh, if you're going to be arguing for, you know, trans rights, you have to have someone that's, you know, transphobic. And we're kind of making those opinions OK, because we're seeing them more and more online. We're seeing them more and more on television, which, for me, doesn't sit right.
0: Yeah, so this has now become very meta like, metatextual because we're now talking about the debate itself, and whether or not this having this debate is a good idea. So hang in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Cool. I um, have another like controversial thing to chuck in. Um, I have a back of the napkin theory that maybe the reason why we are we are like celebrating Gen Z so much and hailing them as like the saviors of the planet and all that kind of guff um, is because we scapegoated millennials so hard. Um, millennials had a really rough time. If you Google millennials are killing, you get about three million results. Claiming that millennials are killing off X Y Z, um, we know the, like the avocados thing. Um, I we have some posters up around um, the hall, uh, around like through the bar where you can um, just vote. So go and do that afterwards. But um, it appears that a lot of people here tonight are millennials. So I feel like I'm. I, I think. Yeah.
2: I think that in uh, the flip side of it is that. Um, millennials were kind of the guinea pigs of many things. They were kind of the guinea pigs of social media. They were the guinea pigs of the sort of the, the smartphone revolution. They were caught in the crossfire between, um, obviously, the the economic crash when houses became much much more expensive. Um, and in a sense, I think that one of the the real benefits Generation had is they've they've been able to benefit from the mistakes and the pain of millennials. So, for example, that you know, wholesale millennials threw themselves into screen life and, reflectively, Generation Z perhaps realise that screens can be damaging and there's a value in limiting your screen time. And actually, I think that that's another point of why that they can change the world, because uh, poor millennials, they acted as the kind of, you know, that they were the guinea pigs in the example that generations they can learn from but it's good in a way they can pass on the lessons learned in their wisdom so that, that they don't make the mistakes millennials make so they can extrapolate the benefits of things like kind of social media or current politics or the media uh, or, you know, the media or learning and all the things we're doing and perhaps leave behind some of the more damaging behaviours so that, so in a sense that they kind of like steal the thunder of millennials and they, they don't suffer the same consequences consequences that happens for Millennials
0: yeah interesting. I feel like um, it will be interesting to see and obviously we, we can't answer this tonight but it will be interesting to see what will happen when Gen Z mature and we now become obsessed with like Gen Alpha which is the people who are um, like screaming babies right now um, because maybe as we saw with millennials there will be this there's this massive cultural hype at the moment like Gen Z are like nothing you've ever seen before partly because the people who are telling you that have a like vested business interest in that being so um, but um, yeah w- once we move beyond Gen Z um, and focus on Gen alpha will we will the will the hype for Gen Z changing the world yeah. die down? okay, I um, wanted to float the like hustle culture thing with you guys and say, that this is actually something that Jack can maybe then then jump on the back of um, and just make the uh, kind of pro Gen Z changing the world claim that um, Gen Z are being hyped as like being super, super entrepreneurial. They uh, participate in hustle culture. They're um, building empires from their bedrooms. Sound familiar? Um, So um, actually like this kind of is a fundamentally different uh, approach to business. Um, They're gonna change like set economic structures and the set way that kind of commercial private sector business occurs. Um, do you have a kind of counter argument to that?
4: Um, as someone who set up a business, um, I wouldn't be able to do that without a really solid team around me that have skills that I don't and um, I'm like really ready and willing to learn. And I kind of did set up my business and was like from a bedroom and was like actually I need a studio and I would I couldn't do that on my own. I've really had to reach out and learn and get mentors and I'm really really grateful for the knowledge that's been passed down to me. And I do think it's amazing that you can you can if you want to do something you can start it and you have to work really hard and we're ready to work really hard. But some things I worry about are like what happens when the apps that we have used to build a platform no longer exists. Look at what happened to Vine. People... RIP. RIP. People created like their whole career around Vine and Vine no longer exists. Like, What happens to my friends who run their businesses through Instagram when Instagram's no longer a thing? Um, I don't really know if they're ready for that and what's going to happen and there was like an article about this girl who like her Instagram got deleted and she had like however many million followers and she was like I'm gonna have to start again this is ruined by
3: life she was like I don't know how to have a nine-to-five job I think what's also interesting is we were talking about the independent article about this YouTuber or this Instagrammer. She has about thirty-five k followers, something like that, and um, she'd been promoting brands, promoting um, yeah. clothing, like you yeah. know, like fast fashion brands, um, and then she uh, started her own fashion line and started selling her own T-shirts. And I think she did not make the sales that met her engagement on her social media posts. And she it's sold almost like
4: five T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thirty five <laughs> 35 followers, five T shirts sold. Yeah. And uh I think it's this idea of like real world connections and real engagement, real face to face connection and building connections offline as well as off mm. online is still very important and we should still invest in in it. Yeah, and also I think it's amazing that we have so
4: many DIY uh, like Businesses and artists, I predominantly work with a lot of DIY artists, but and I think that's amazing and I really really champion them and I stick by them and I want them to stay DIY, but you'll notice a difference in their careers when a bigger company comes along and pumps money into.
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting about the two arguments that you've just made was that they're both saying that broadly, like this thing about Gen Z changing the world actually like the, the tool the like tools of production actually like are tools that belong to other generations and they're kind of at the like at the mercy of kind of market ebbs and flows, and so that maybe actually it's not necessarily uh, they're not necessarily true entrepreneurs in in the like most um, in the most like true sense of the word. Jack, I'm sure you have an
5: opinion on this.
1: Uh, yeah, just a couple. Um, <laughs> I guess firstly, uh, thinking of like what you're saying about like what happens when these people are like investing everything into like YouTube or Instagram. There's been like a massive increase in these like I think they're called like cross hyphenates or something. Yeah. So people who are actually doing loads of different hustles, they'll have like their Insta and then on the side, you know, they've got like a Depop thing where they're trying to make money there and you know, they might have something completely separate where they're selling merch. Like we're seeing this with like music, like with like these incredible artists who are like coming from like, essentially like grassroots type thing, but they're also doing merch at the same time. Like people are really looking to like diversify the way that they're making money. So with that, it's like, I think that's this like entrepreneurial spirit coming through is like rather than actually just hedging all your bets on one thing and then having your account shut down and being like screwed, it's like actually like let's kind of put like fingers in pies, like let's try this and that and they like they try all these different things so I think that's something that's like super exciting about like from Depop perspective is that we have these like incredible creatives who are like sitting on Depop, they're like selling on Depop, doing a great job but actually you know in many cases the thing that they're really great at is Something else, and the thing that they're really trying to do is, you know, some people t- use Depop because they actually just want to pay their fees to go and become a doctor, and that's the kind of stuff like we really love is that just like using a platform to get to where you want to be. So, I also think that with the like genuine, I think you kind of like touched on a bit of like authenticity. There is like you could have someone who's like uh, great Instagram following, like promoting fast fashion. But when they switch to their own brand, there's like no kind of like not enough like clout there to basically get it off the ground. I think the people, like the young people we're working with, are kind of really looking within themselves. Like they see their like Instagram or their Depop as like a representation of them. Mm-hmm. And so when they're selling something, they're not just selling it because they want to make money. They're selling it because you know that's part of my aesthetic. That's something that I really like, believe in. Like that's something I would wear. And so with that, it's like, I don't think the danger of uh, going down your own way and then having no followers is really there. Like we've seen a lot of like great sellers on Depop who are really good at curating items, going to like create stuff and they've done really well. And it's like really exciting for us because that's, I don't know, this is like plug for work, but it's like we're essentially like Better helping people to get to where they want to be. And that's just like really exciting. It's like you see these people with so much creativity and so much energy and passion. And yeah, they need support from other people. Like, my role is to support them. And it's like, I don't know much about accounting, but if someone comes to me age 14 and says, how do I do my accounts? It's like, that's my job is to work it out. And it's like, they definitely need support. It's not going to be an independent thing, but the energy and the passion is like absolutely there. There
0: Yeah, I think there's also something to be said maybe for Gen Z, like growing up in the shadow of um, seeing like being a shift in kind of popular celebrity from like people who were maybe movie stars or sports stars or whatever, to people who are actually like the founders of tech empires, it's like yeah. your today's celebrity is like an Elon Musk and, and like a Zuckerberg, and that kind of has an impact on on what you perceive to be of like cultural value. If you're 14 and you want to be like really really rich, yeah.
2: I I, I was just going to say that um, because the, particularly young generations, generations, see the future is so uncertain. There's this enormous drive to be as you say these, these iconic next the next Mark Zuckerberg or the next Elon Musk. So I think there's that incredible motivation. and it's really quite exciting to think about all these kids you know who've kind of been raised on technology who are currently at school or college or university and what they're creating in their bedrooms and it's really exciting to see that what that will outcome. and I and I, I simply don't think. Um, that that kind of um, evolution and and really really quick sort of development won't stop I think it'll actually speed up so it's really exciting to think you know when you think like there was MySpace and that was a big thing and then it was Facebook and then it was Instagram and how quickly they replaced one another and it's quite thinking well what's next and one day we'll all like laugh
0: at like you know the antiquated Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, and then I'll be out of a job. So let's let's. <laughs> no, but keep you you have fingers. you are going to the next one. <laughs> um, okay, cool. I'm like watching the clock like a hawk. So um, we're now going to open up this panel to you guys to see um, if you have any kind of challenges to the for or against side, or any challenges to me. Preferably not. But um, yeah, open to you guys. Um, I think someone's wandering. Beige, the lovely beige, is wandering around with a digi branded microphone. So please open up any I also have pre-prepared some questions for awkward silences so I'm happy to ramble on if you you need to think Um, but please do challenge our audiences in the spirit of debate yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. we have one over there first of all, thanks so much that was really interesting to hear from all of you Um, I think so this is a two part question do you think we are A, doing our understanding a disservice and B, possibly hindering progress by putting in a judgment filter on Gen Z um, I think something Zoe said was that it's quite blinkered and yes it's a more liberal generation sure but there are other pockets within society who are Gen Z age and is it more like a, an ideological category that you have to identify with like do all Gen Zers think they're Gen Z if it comes with all these different um, activisms or ways of thinking
2: i I think that's a brilliant question and i think the this the, the the weight of expectation with any generation um sort of can be a bit crushing and i think if you assign i mean it just ends up being a stereotype doesn't it then it's like which is something that generation Z are kind of anti um and i think that the i think the important thing is that um the understanding with any kind of label that there's multitudes within that label and, you you know, and there's there's kind of many things that you can be in, that you can achieve and if you don't have a big take next to activist, that doesn't mean you've failed as a Generation Z. So I think that you're absolutely right and I think the way that you kind of remove that kind of weight of expectation which is weighty and I think it's ultimately quite oppressive is that we open up the label And it isn't just about being an Instagrammer or an activist because equally you're fabulous if you go to medical school or you're a nurse or you're a painter or you're a plumber. And I think it's insane that you feel or young people feel like they've only succeeded if they've got 50,000 followers. And I think that that is one of the biggest drivers of mental health issues with young people. And it's one of the biggest mythologies really. Um, and and, 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 and th- th- this notion that nothing matters unless it's celebrated online. And I think that's really, really important. That, and that it's absolutely what Jack was saying. This real importance, and this, this is something I talk about all the time, it's fine to live your life somewhat online, but you have to have a life online offline. And that's really important too. So I think that was a brilliant question and a great point
0: yeah I also want to kind of add to that I think as a culture we're kind of like pathologically attuned to the question of like what's next what's the like newest yeah. animal um, and yeah the kind of industry that exists around that is like inherently problematic I think the kind of um, the labelling and the questioning is uh, it's a result of of kind of like capitalism and a need to kind of market more effectively but I think the kind of um, the less cynical side of that is that it is a genuinely attempt to kind of optimise and understand the behaviours and mindsets of a new generation in order to like communicate better and to um, create collaborative projects that have a uh, kind of stronger cultural value um, or genuinely just to kind of um, keep keep in touch with with an age group um, so I think um, I think the, the right answer to this panel isn't either yes or no to that question um, but it's important that we keep questioning, like, why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing these exercises? Why every week in my inbox are there like um, seven new um, kind of reports telling me what Gen Z want or what they don't want or um, or why? So yeah. <coughs> anyone else? Yeah, go for it.
1: I wonder if there's a there's a different slant on this as well. So I'm I'm Gen X, so I might be the only one in this room. You're so the, you're
2: the happiest. They're yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think
1: my observation was it's, it's not just generational; it's actually the demographic as well. Okay. So I think there's a real skew actually to the behaviour that we're talking here is actually to a is is quite urban um, people that are they're very much on trend and they're in a tribe. Actually, if you go out to outside of London, dare I say, outside the bubble, these behaviours are probably probably a lot less prevalent. Mm. Um, so are they going to change the world, Gen Z? Personally, I think it's technology that's enabling it and probably Gen Z, a certain part, are accelerating it thanks to what millennials put in. That's my um
3: Yeah, this feels a, like my a, take
1: like on a it. vote for the nose. There you go. Right. What go do we Go for it, Zoe.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm from Scotland. I don't know if you could tell by the accent already. Um, and I grew up in the Scottish Borders in a town oh. called Galashiels where there was 300... Or something. The population. I still live there because I I go to uni. So I mean, I basically still live there three months of the year. Um, so yes, definitely. I was a minority being liberal and having hustles and and doing things when I was a teenager. Um, and I grew up with people that were very much into hunting and shooting, and still very much are into hunting and shooting. I think yeah. There's this urbanisation on of culture where you know what kids are doing in like cool pockets of the country is amplified, because obviously that's where most of them are, but there is still pockets of rural children and... R- 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 children? I just called myself a child. Rural young people um, that, that, aren't, that, that aren't like this sort of niche that, or social categorisation. Um, any other questions? OK, wow. Well, the tide has, has turned.
5: Um, sorry, I agree with you two over there. I don't think... Um I think millennials will go down as saving the world, but Gen Z will get the credit for it. Um, In terms of... I don't think there's any more activists now, just just like I don't think there's a lot more hustlers, as you call it. Back in the days, you had P. Diddy, you had uh, pirate radio stations. They were doing all that sort of stuff. It just didn't get the exposure. Um, In terms of activists, there were plenty. Like, how many marches did we used to have back in the day? Um, And also, to that gentleman's point, I think... Millennials created all the technology that now the Gen Z's are using, and that's allowing them to communicate. So we think, oh, Gen Z are amazing, and they're going to change the world, but I think Millennials will change the world. Um, Just lastly, you mentioned there's a lot more pressure on Gen Z, they have to go to school, they have to get good grades, they have to do this, they have to do that. That's not Gen Z, that's being Asian. (laughs)
3: Amen. (laughs)
0: There were maybe some more from the back? Yeah, cool.
6: I I don't really fall on either side of the debate, but I wanted to expand on what y'all were talking about um, with the fact that there's a very loud minority and that, um, you know, maybe there are certain examples of people. It comes to mind the students who protested after the Florida massacre and, like, you know, artists like Blueface or whatever. You know, these people sort of... Get exploded into the national or the international consciousness but there's a lot of people who aren't being heard of like what he was saying outside of the bubble and um, that there's all these dichotomies of like um, you know yeah you're able to expose bullies but it's also easier to bully you're able to establish new beauty standards but then those become their own standards and there's like kind of this like flip side of every coin. And like, I guess the flip side of the big coin to me would be the people we're not hearing from and the people who see the hustle and the like entrepreneurialism as like this great thing but that that's not really achievable for the vast majority of the population and that they're gonna end up maybe feeling like disillusioned and like disenfranchised and like not be able to to create beyond, like, a sort of, like, limited time scale, maybe. Um, So, yeah, it's just thoughts. I don't really... Yeah, that's a very, very nuanced
4: point. Yeah, and I also think, um, if we talk about, like, hustle and um, activism, what you create online, I think it's great that we're we're getting, you know, you know, these walkouts from schools, um, protests are being shot into... The mainstream and hustle like we have we talk about hustle a lot but instagram especially like the way you put yourself out there and the way you build your platform and the way you build your business if you're an entrepreneur or an activist and you're young it's really, really it, you you curate it you show what you want people to see so i don't know whether if anything online's ever really that genuine i think like building foundation fm like we built the whole studio we like painted it we did all that we don't post that online we literally popped out of thin air to some people and they were like oh wow there's this really cool new station but they didn't see like the real graph that went behind it and that can i guess people can like instagram themselves being like oh work staying up really late working really hard again but they could just be a bed you know like we don't know how much of that's real or what if you know it's all true now i guess made sense what
0: is reality what is
4: reality but also to that gent's point
0: that
2: i think with generational change it takes a village and not everyone can be visible in that change but if you think about like bob dylan or the beatles or public enemy or rage against machine or all those they 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 you know artists or authors all those people they became symbol some symbolic of of social change and they instituted social change but it was the, the, the and 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 they were visible but it was the generations that followed them that raised them up. And, of course, not all Generation Z can be visible in that change. Um, and not all Generation Z are going to be kind of celebrities or have big, big followers. But they are so important, all the people acting behind the scenes. And we're not just talking about tech or online or brands. It's, you know, it's the, the, the future is about all the people that are contributing and learning and becoming people that will make the world and hopefully make the world better. And I think it's to your point that, you know, you don't have to be famous and you don't have to be visible and you don't have to have a million followers to create an institute real change. And I think that's a really important message for Generations Ed. And I, and I think it's something that, you know, they, they should be told more of.
1: I, I also think that, like these people are still incredibly young it's like what you were saying is like these guys are still all like under the age of 22 um so it's quite early to be like who are there like martin luther king's like they're all still under the age of 21 like they've still got like decades in which they can actually like cause that change and actually do those things like a lot of them are still learning like how to do this and they're still trying to discover themselves and it's like once you get to that age where you, you feel more confident and you feel like you've connected with and found your community, that's when the action starts to happen. So it's still really early for these guys to be, like, changing the world. It's more like, what's going to happen in the next, like, 40 years? Like, I don't know how old Mark Zuckerberg was when he founded Facebook, but he was probably, like, well, a <laughs> terrible example. But it's, like, a lot of these people that are, like, creating the platforms, you know, they like, we've only discovered their great platforms five years, ten years on, and you, you can't really expect an 11-year-old... If these people wanted to build that, it's like they had to build Facebook when they were 12 in order for us, like today, to realize it. It's like we need to give them a little bit of time to, before we can look back and be like, what have they actually done? Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Um, I think that's all we've got time for. Um, so, what we're going to do now is we're going to have another vote and we're going to see how um, opinion has shifted, if it has shifted, and in which direction. Um, so, if you could get your digi pixel foam finger things at the ready um and if you are voting for the motion that you believe gen z will change the world can you please hold up your hands now um okay good have they all counted okay cool so then um, put your hands down and then um if you are against the motion and you believe that gen z won't change the world uh please raise your hands now Okay, cool. Is that all? Is that all, voted? Okay, cool. Do you want to come and? You, are you text? Are you texting me the results of this? Oh <laughs> my god! So, wow, so Air drop them to me. Air drop them to me. Okay, so before we had the the, the vote this evening, um, fifteen of you voted for the motion, and three of you voted against the motion, and then after the debate. 16 of you voted for Gen Z, and 5 of you voted against Gen Z. Interesting. Which means slightly more people have shifted in terms of, like, proportional representation to get kind of technical about it. Slightly more people have have shifted their opinion towards the against side. So I'm just going to be really brazen and go against the rules of debate and say the against side have carried it. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of our first ever digi debate. For more fairy futures content, or to download our latest trend report into all things Gen Z, visit our website at www.thedigitalfairy.co.uk, or follow us on Instagram at, at @thedigi_fairy.